podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Welcome back, podcast patrons. Another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. And I've got my man, Scott, here. And we're about to wrap up the year in golf. That was 2020. Scott, what is the good word? Oh, what a year it was. What a year it was. Um, Good word. Well, first of all, uh, happy new year in advance. And hopefully a happy new year that is, you know, much better than the, the previous one. I 2020 think, can't 2020 know, can't get out of here quickly enough no it can't and if you if you'd ask me one good word about the year i would say over that's the bottom line it's yep. over hopefully we can as a country move on as as a sport of golf move on to a time when you know the game is still growing but everything is is open again um so scott let's let's go we'll go kind of month by month for this uh, we'll throw in some of the things that happened with the podcast over the year. We'll ha- some things that happened on tour, happened on the world of golf, and uh, you know, hit some of the highlights, some of the lowlights, and and kind of go from there. Um, Beautiful. I'm gonna gi- I'm gonna give you a question here right off the bat. First tournament of the year, we know is always the Century Tournament of Champions at the Plantation Course, Kapalua, Hawaii. Right? Who was this year's champion? Hmm. <sighs> for all the listeners playing at home, I'll give you a hint. Uh, he actually uh, just won the last tournament with his father. Uh, well, that I, I was just going to say, I feel like Justin Thomas does well there, so I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. He always plays well there. There's a bunch of top threes but, and then a ton of top fives. Um, and he's going to be back there again. I mean, JT was the winner. He just won the shootout, whatever it is nowadays, the QBE shootout, I get. PNC, whatever. PNC, father-son challenge, the shark shootout, whatever name it's been over the years. Uh, Justin Thomas starts off the year with a win, and and quite honestly, I'm going to give him my Player of the Year award that did not win a major. Because, Scott, this is, if you are going to win a tournament, this is the one to win. First tournament out of the gate automatically gets you back there next year. Who in their right mind does not want to be in Hawaii in early January? And then two, that tournament automatically gives you a two-year exemption for winning the smallest field tournament on tour. Plus, the purse was 1.3 mil. Like, it is the ideal tournament, aside from a major, to go out and win. Well, that's the thing. It's it's the you know it's the fir- I mean I guess it's not technically the first one because you know well, first the, ra- the, the air quote wraparound season. The, but yeah, yeah, you get you get your year taken care of. Not that JT needs exemptions at this point um, or money even. But you know what? Now it's money in the bank. It it's all said right. and done for the year. He's good. He knows he's good. And now he's just playing with house money. You know, the thing is, like, a guy like him, you're right. A guy like DJ, Morikawa. No, they don't need the wins. They don't need the money. But for a lower-tier guy who won a small tournament, let's say an opposite field event 
type thing. Like, uh, you know, like, like Victor Hovland went in Puerto Rico in February, right? Opposite the WGC Mexico. That gets him into this tournament. And winning takes care of everything. And if you can take care of your winning in the first week of January, I mean, you're sitting on a two-year high right there. So in my opinion, you know, if I was going to go out and play a tournament and I had to win something you asked me, and, it, you know, not a major, Century Tournament of Champions is going to be my pick. I'm done with the year already. I've already won my tournament. The sponsors are happy. Uh, I've got my tour card for two years. I can do what the hell I want on tour now. I totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Jan- January saw us. I know this feels like a lifetime ago, pre-COVID and pre-quarantine and lockdown, but January saw us take our first trip as a group, as a Leave the Pin podcast group, to the USGA house, Scott. What are your, your memories of that? Uh, you told me that before we started recording this. I could not actually believe that that was this calendar year. Uh, I, I'm actually floored that that was that soon ago because it feels like a whole lifetime ago. Uh, yeah. Crazy, crazy story. I'm actually wearing the same hoodie I had on when we went um, right now yeah. as we record this very podcast. Well, very apropos, uh, you know, a few weeks apart. Um, to me, we're not going to go into the details. Go back, listen to the catalog of podcasts that we have detailing uh, our adventures at the USG house uh, with Janine. Uh, my highlight, Scott, obviously, everybody's highlight, giving full access to the USGA underground vault. So Janine, obviously being the, uh, I guess, the PR person, but Hillary being the, uh, the director of the museum, uh, m- more than a gracious host. So both of those, those people showing us around and taking us into the vault, um, I, I, just incredible, absolutely incredible. It's a like you said a once in a lifetime experience. Um, although I, you know maybe it can be a, a twice in a lifetime once COVID clears up, we can go back and check out some new things in the collection maybe. But definitely a, an amazing experience and one uh, you know forgetting about the year one I won't forget. You know, I've met you've met we've met as a group so many great people in this game, and still to this day it blows my mind how gracious people are to us and the things they are willing to let us experience. Because let's be honest, if I'm Hillary, if I'm Janine, I'm not letting us into the USGA vault. Maybe I just don't have that high of opinion of us and everyone else does, which is amazing. I thank you. We're blessed for that. But Scott, to to be underground and see some of the things that that we saw, um, I mean, it's it, it makes it all worth it, right? So here, here's, I have a, a, a conspiracy theory, as it were, on that, you know, because obviously the regular tour is above, above ground, uh, the vault well, in the basement. Well, let me, do, let me I, just, I, I kind of, go ahead. Second, go there's ahead. not even a regular tour. Good point, good point. Right? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's follow along on the brochure. So I just want to put that out to people, you know, like everything that we experienced was hand cultivated and curated by them to give us the most amazing experience there to report on it positively, but we didn't even need that. I mean, it's such an amazing place in and of itself. It's not like they even needed to roll out the red carpet, but they still did. That's a good point. I had forgotten about that. And that, and as you said that, I remember now, now that I rem- you mentioned it, there is no regular tour and they were doing us a favor. Hillary left her sick kid at home to come and 
wander around in a museum with us for three hours um, and, and then do an interview. Um, but my, my conspiracy theory is that they gave us the regular tour, which doesn't exist now that you mention it. Uh, and then at some point there was some like unspoken signal between the two of them. Like, you know what? These guys are cool. Let's take them downstairs kind of thing. Okay, I definitely agree with that. First off, shout out to Hillary for that. Uh, and her husband, uh, I don't want to give away her daughter's name, but she's absolutely adorable. Um, I agree. She's like a little a little ski bum right now, which is which is awesome, super cute. And, you know, sad to see her in that, you know, sick state, but she was a trooper and mom was a trooper. And yes, I completely agree, Scott. I think at some point in time, there was a little, you know, nod of the head, a wink of the eye, and they gave each other a secret signal like, okay, we can allow them in. They're not going to try to steal the first printed version of the word golf. They're not going to try to steal Ben Hogan's, you know, medals. I think they're okay. Right. And, uh, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know what the uh, other cool thing about that? And, you, again, you the, the things just keep coming to my mind. Yeah. She literally, and we talked about this, and it hasn't happened, but uh, she literally opened up a drawer down there, and the drawer that she opened up happened to have U.S. Open medals from a guy, uh, U.S. Amateur medals from a guy who played at the club I used to belong to right. before it went defunct. And she didn't know that. I mean, it was just complete happenstance. And no way like, she would have known that. No. No, no, very, very cool. Um, so we go into February. February has the likes of, you know, the Wasted Management Open, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Genesis Invitational, Puerto Rico Open, and then the, the World Golf Championship. And, and this is the kind of month that February was. February, February was a, a precursor, if you will, Scott, to the world basically shutting down, and especially the golf world. And the last winner in February... And I think this is some sort of omen. But the last winner in February was Patrick Reed. He won the WGC. And I feel like he was the, per- you know, Patrick Reed being the antichrist of the golf world is the perfect mm. villain, perfect foil to, to what was, you know, basically the end of the year. They did get through the Arnold Palmer and Terrell Hatton won that. Um, but in my mind, winning 1.8 mil on the verge of the entire world shutting down was my man Patrick Reed and uh you know look does anybody play a villain better than him uh, in golf no i don't think what about in the real world uh i mean little yeah i guess we can go shout out to like james earl jones for being the voice of darth vader sure sure and then rest in peace david prowse who actually was Darth Vader, who was, mm-hmm. was uh, you know, one of the celebs, if you will, that we lost this year. Uh, March saw myself and Derek head down to the Players' Championship to do media. Everyone knows that story. Again, look in the, the podcast catalog. But real short version of it is we go down. We go to the World Golf Hall of Fame. That blows. Don't ever waste your money going to the World Golf Hall of Fame. Please trust me on it. Even though I know many of the listeners are going to go to the World Golf Hall of Fame, they're going to think about what I said, and when they get done with the tour, they're going to be like, you know what? Should have listened to Dan. But you didn't, and you blew like 25 <laughs> or 40 bucks on it. Your fault. It's literally in an abandoned strip mall area. You hit onto this quote-unquote replica of the 17th green, which looks nothing like it. It's just a patch of grass in the middle of a 
faux pond with a fountain, and then across the pond is all empty storefronts for a strip mall that no longer exists. It's like, you know what? There should be a podcast called Sad Florida or like an Instagram series or a book series called Sad Florida, and that should be, you know, fold out, layout, middle, Mm -hmm. two pages, bang, World Golf Hall of Fame, and empty strip mall. It sucks. St. Augustine might be a nice place, but that area sucks. So we go down to the players, Scott, and as we're on the grounds, there's rumblings that the next day is going to be canceled. So we're kind of bummed. We just got there, and then we hear the greatest news ever, that the only people allowed on site are going to be media. Well, Derek and I obviously flip out. I know I called you, and you're like, I, you know, how can things get any better? The world is shutting down, but we're going to be the only people on the course. Right. 11, 11 o'clock that night, PGA Tour texts everybody, all media members, and says the tournament is canceled. We are done. The entire tour is shutting down. So Derek and I jump on the computer, jump on the phone, switch flights, get out there the next afternoon after we played some uh, Marine Force Base golf course there, which was awesome. Can't remember the name of it. And uh, I was on the last flight back into Philly before they shut everything down. Uh, wild time, Scott. And that brings us to where we are now, kind of uh, COVID 2020. So, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously right now, you know, kind of the, I guess we'll call it the, the second surge of COVID. Um, but, you know, right now it seems like everything's kind of holding together. Hope's on the way with the vaccine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm hoping by the by springtime, uh, you know, things are sort of back to normal. So that would be ideal, right? Um, you know, and then obviously we know the the tour just completely shuts down for for two months. Um, we basically come back in May with the PGA Championship, and you know we have our boy Colin Morikawa being the champ. I mean, to me, if, and you know, you take the top three young guns, right? You take Hovland, you take Morikawa, and then you take, um, uh, well, I'm going blank. What's his name, Scott? Matt Wolf, Battle. right? Those are the next three guys looking to, or at least the tour looks at them as guys to carry the tour from here on out. And if you looked at their games, I feel like most people would say Wolf is going to be the first major champion. But mm-hmm. I think Morikawa, where he stands in his headspace, was just a logical choice. And, and to get a, a major under your belt at that age, you know, the dude's playing with house money from now on. All right. Well, so the, the PGA wasn't until August. Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm sorry. You're right. I'm looking... He, he did win. A, he right. did win a a, a a tournament in July. I'm trying to go back because I just looked at that and said Kiwa, and I'm like, what am I talking about? That's not even. That's not even a thing. Not even a thing. All right, so here we are. Sorry. So so we go. Yeah. So th- okay. Look, listeners. Sometimes this stuff happens. I get I get fed poor information. I'm going to blame PJTour.com on that and also my own stupidity. So you're right. That was in the summer because then we went U.S. Open in September and then we went 
the Masters in November. Okay, so going back to where we were, the, the tour is completely shut down till May. All right? Uh, uh, it actually rebooted June 14th. Right, but in May we had two events featuring tour players. We had the right. TaylorMade Drive and Relief, which, show, which saw Rory and DJ win at Seminole. And then we had the first, well, technically the second match, but the first match of the year, which saw Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. So I got to ask you, Scott, we had a lot of made-for-TV events because the tour was shut down. Uh, it focused on the stars. It focused on star athletes playing golf, a mm. game that you know most of them do play now in their retirement. What, do you, what were your overall thoughts on the matches, on the match play stuff, on on all the made-for-TV golf events this year that were not PGA Tour events? I, I like the made-for-TV stuff, to be honest with you. I, I think the PGA Tour kind of oversaturates itself, and having something that's a little different kind of sprinkled in there wouldn't be a terrible idea. I mean, they were forced to do it, um, or, or TV was forced to do it. Um, but I, I, I personally think... You know, that's something that the tour should look at um, and have like these events, you know, periodically sprinkled throughout the year. I'm a, a big fan. I think you and I talk about it all the time. The more golf you can get on TV that is not a full field stroke play PGA Tour event, the better it is. We saw as as an industry, as as a game. The most growth in probably the last 20 years this year because it was a, a COVID-friendly, if you will, activity that you could do outside. Growth that mm-hmm. was bigger than, than Tiger Woods' impact in the late 90s. You know, a lot of people coming into the whatever you want to call it, golf Instagram, social media game, podcast game, you know, we're not around for that stuff. So they only see kind of here and now. But if you look back, you know, Tiger was was supposed to be the one that took this game to the for, forefront, excuse me, of North American sports. And obviously it never happened that way. But in doing so, he became a worldwide recognized face and name throughout the sport of golf. So some of that, you know, filtered down, it trickled down into the sport. But this year, we had, I mean, look, you know, I, I work at a driving range in the summer. The place was mobbed like i've never seen it in my 20 years you and i both experienced courses with booked out tea times from 6 30 a.m to 6 p.m i mean it was just it was astronomical the growth of the game and how many people either a got back into it or picked it up for the first time because they were not allowed to work they they were not allowed to travel you know, so so what's one thing you can do? Well, I can go to my golf course. I can walk around. I can, you know, be outside and enjoy fresh air while being socially distanced and responsible. The perfect game for this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it didn't work out well because for whatever reason, or for various reasons, the pandemic made my job significantly busier. Um, and anytime I, I had an opportunity to play golf, like you mentioned, I would just, it kind of came up at the last minute and I would, you had to make a tea time. So I would go online and look for something local and there wouldn't be anything available until, you know, later on in the day when I really didn't have the opportunity to go play. So I I didn't play much, but that's, you know, that's telling because normally what I would do 
is I would just kind of decide like, okay, I'm going to go play golf today. I'd hop on, you know, various different, you know, tea time websites, find something local. And, you know, an hour later I'd be on a golf course. And, and that wasn't something I was able to do this year. So, you know, that's a, that's a great thing for golf. Um, we'll see if it continues. Uh, we'll see once, you know, people are, you know, back to work, if that's going to be a thing. Um, you know, I, I seriously considering rejoining my private club anyway, but, uh, you know, it's always good to get out and try different places. So we'll see. I'm not going to lie. I love the um, enthusiasm for people with the sport. I love seeing the sport pushed to the forefront, but selfishly, I like walking, you know, I like walking up to a, to a, a course and just being able to get on. You know, I, I don't want to go back to the way you and I started playing golf on Long Island with six hour rounds and having to call a tee time two days, three days, four days in advance. Like I'm not looking for that. You know, I'm looking for going back to my old ways of, Hey Scott, come up, let's play. All right, cool. Do we need a tee time? No, of course not. We get on the course. Hey, it's a five minute wait guys. Cool. You know, that's it. No one pairing us up, just us going out, playing with whoever you came with. I love that. But I also understand that, you know, it's it's a business. And and I want the business to succeed, the business of golf to succeed. So if I've got to take a back seat to to my wants and desires for the game to grow and get bigger, I you know, I think that's okay. Yep. No, and you know what it growing and more people playing it's only good in the long run so it's one of those things like yeah maybe it'll you know take a little bit of time to get back to normal where there's low you know more kind of openness more but that just means you know more courses that were maybe on the verge of closing will stay open um maybe some new courses will come up more money for courses that were maybe hurting to renovate and fix themselves up. And that opens up, you know, new doors also, because you never know, like that course that you would never think of going and playing, you know, now it's, now it's something that you think about the private course that, you know, can now find new life as something that's open to the public, you know, that opens up tea time. So it's a good thing. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. You know, my, my whole, my whole thing is, you and I lived through the early 2000s when all the, you know, when, when so many courses were closing because we lived through the, the boom period of the mid to late 90s when so many courses were being built, built within housing tracks, built to, sell, you know, built to sell houses, uh, built in the middle of nowhere, thinking people would come. And then obviously you have the economic collapse and we go into an enormous, you know, years long recession and then golf seemed to have died. So anything that can spark the interest and become a catalyst for more courses and more people playing and more practice facilities and just more and more and more of golf, I'm cool with. Um, also in April, I want to give a sh big shout out to you know some of my buddies that, that went down to Pinehurst with me for the first trip of the year. Uh, Rich from Gas House Golf, Maddie, and uh, my buddy Dan who caddies out on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, we had a great time at Pinehurst as always, and it was nice because we were still able to travel. We were still able to be safe. Um, you know, we'd all been quarantined beforehand, so you kind of knew what you were getting with the people you were traveling with, and it just turned into a great experience, great friendships, and and again, more 
more and more contacts down in the Pinehurst region, with which played out later on in the year, and uh, obviously some great golf. And and again, I know I say this to you all the time, but I cannot wait to get you down there and to kind of roll out my red carpet for you down in Pinehurst. Yeah, I, I I'm itching to do something like that. Uh, it's again, it's been a long few months, so that's the one, the one thing that I've really, really missed is being able to, you know, one, just pick up and go golf and two, being able to, to travel and, and go do, you know, see new places and do things I haven't done before. And even, you know, go places that we, we regularly go to and all that, just, you know, even like thinking about like some of that stuff, it's just like, I don't know, like what's, what, what's going to happen when we get there? Um, you know, but, you know, obviously that's high on my list of things to, to do once this kind of all is behind us. Yeah. I mean, and, and obviously, you know, this year through an enormous crimp into our golf schedule together, we only mm-hmm. got out twice, I believe both times at, at crystal Springs, um, you know, which, which is a great place. Um, but there's a lot of other courses that, that we, we probably should have hit and we will in the future. And one of my hopes is that people that are golfers that started this year, I, I hope that they can support their local courses, support, you know, resorts, take some trips and, and kind of really do it up in, in 2021. If not, you know, 2022. That the first trip was like back in February, right? The first was, crystal spring, was, uh, springs round. Yeah. Yeah. It was late February. Again, it was right before everything shut down. It was about two weeks before everything shut down. And then again, what was that? Uh, October, we went last. Yep. Yep. So it's crazy. I mean, it, and, and it's one thing, like, it, with all said, you know, once all said and done, looking back on it, things actually went really quick. I mean, I, I you know, talking about like how like you know we played golf in february like it feels like it was just yesterday yeah so well i mean look we're doing the year-end review we're, we're finishing up the second full year of leave the pin podcast which you know honestly you think about the stuff we've accomplished and the, and the places we've gone the people we've met and you know when we started doing this i'm gonna speak for you as well correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like both of us never thought we'd be here no, no, no. This was like one of those like, ah, whatever. We'll chat about golf for a little bit and see what happens. Uh, no one's gonna listen. No one really cares. But people do listen and people do care. So thank you. <laughs> it's wild, and uh, we appreciate and can't do it without them. So let's let's go to June, Scott. We go to the middle of summer. So we we sit around and everyone's quarantined for the longest amount of time, and then golf, you know, finally does kind of start back up, and. Uh, you know, we've got some some big winners in June. I mean, the tour came out hot. Daniel Berger wins the Charles Schwab in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Rory McIlroy becomes the national champion of our neighbors to the north, winning the Canadian Open. Webb Simpson wins the RBC Heritage. And then DJ goes and wins the Travelers Championship. That is a pretty damn good month of June. And DJ's win goes off to kind of foreshadow his win at the Masters in November. And Scott, I got to tell you, not the biggest fan of the guy. Slowly he's growing on me. It's taken a number of years. But that is my award winner for player of the year, best year, um, biggest tournament wins, whatever you will call it. I'm going with DJ for this year. The year Uh, of DJ. Sold. Absolutely, 100%. 
Um, uh, no one else even really comes close. Um, I mean, I guess just because he won a you know a major, you know Bryson, but to me, at uh, DJ by a million. Let's get into Bryson real quick, or he shall he who shall not be named. Um, we've got to think, Scott. It was it was this year that Bryson decided to block us on Instagram during the U.S. Open. For any of our new listeners, a quick recap. Bryson DeChambeau thought so highly of us that he blocked us during the U.S. Open. Literally during the third round of the U.S. Open. So he yeah. went home leading. He, mm-hmm. for I don't, I, reason still unbeknownst to me. I mean, the man used to be the header of our podcast. Big shout out to my man, Tiger Hoods903, for giving us the intro we have now. I also know, Scott, speaking for you, we never thought we'd be name-checked in an actual rap song. Appreciate that, Tiger Hoods. But but Bryson thought so highly of us, and we bothered him so much, which I don't know how, that the night of the third round of the U.S. Open, he decided to block us on Instagram. I consider that a win in my book. So he, he was two strokes back. Uh, Wolf, Matthew Wolf was in the lead. Uh, going into it, so two strokes back from the you know leader, two strokes off the lead in the U.S. Open, Bryson goes home to whatever house he's probably renting, you know, in Westchester, or Greenwich, or whatever, and decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to block some podcasts on Instagram. Okay, go go for it, dude. Um, that's probably one of the strangest things that I've ever been a part of. I'm thankful that he thought of us. I'm thankful that we occupied some space in his mind because truly he does not occupy any in this podcast, you know, headspace. But, uh, you know, it's a positive, Scott, because now it's one less person that we need to root for or worry about on course, and we can throw our energies towards another player, like a Colin Morikawa, who is more than willing to sit down and chat for a little bit and to kind of be a good sport about everything. Nah, he, yeah, he's a good dude. I, I, I remember just, I saw a, 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 an interview with him while he was still in college. And the first thing I thought is, you know, wow, well, this guy's going to be somebody someday. Uh, and he is. So good for him. Good for him. But, and I guess he, you know, he would also be in contention for best year. But again, DJ, like you said, just, uh, he's got that under control. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone that wins a major, right, has to be up there. So obviously going in order, you have Colin, Bryson, and DJ, no Open Championship this year. Um, However, as we move into July, we had a June, yeah, July, we had uh, a a ton of tournaments because we had a bunch of opposite field uh, events. We had tournaments that went into weeks that were originally supposed to happen, like the Workday Charity Open in Muirfield took the place of the John Deere. Uh, Bryson wins up in Michigan at the Rocket Rocket Mortgage Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have John Rahm winning the Memorial. Uh, let's be honest, Scott. For all intents and purposes, this could have been John Rahm's year. I mean, we look at what happened at the Masters. Uh, we look at what happened at the Players and some other tournaments, and he easily could have walked away with four wins and a major. 
Uh, instead, he walks away with uh, two wins, I believe. One uh, of them is a FedEx Cup playoff yeah, event, it, so that's a good year, true. too. It's, it's very true, and, and that gets me to my next point of the end of July. We've got Justin Thomas, who wins uh, the WGC you know, FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Probably the worst spot on the calendar year. Uh, late July, early August in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I mean, you know, Sweatbox Central. But JT wins, and he's got a few, you know, he's got a few wins here and there. But obviously the hottest golfer of the summer is definitely Morikawa because he wins the Workday Charity Open in July. He goes off in August to win the PGA Championship. I mean, you really can't complain about that, but but how? How do you take it away from DJ, who's got two normal wins, and he goes off and wins the Northern Trust in August and goes off and wins the Tour Championship and then goes off to win obviously our first and probably last of our lifetime fall masters. Uh, it was like I said, I mean, he had that under control. Um, the masters really just, you could make the argument that he, he had the best year before he won the masters. So, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that as well, but we know that in the annals of history, the majors are looked so Highly upon and and realistically, and I know I make this argument a lot, and I sometimes I agree with myself, and sometimes I don't. But as a top tier golfer, you're going to get hot, what three four times a year, and you kind of have to hope that your hotness at that time of year is just better than the rest of the field. Now, some guys get hot in opposite fields events, right? Some guys get hot during majors. Um, I'm not necessarily completely convinced that a normal tour event is so much lower than a major championship. Only because, Mm. like, take, for example, the Masters. I understand the course. I understand the tradition and history. I know I'm veering off topic a little bit, but hang on with me for a second, and I'll get to my point. But you're beating a field of 92 guys. 30 to 40 of them are completely inept and are not going to win and have no chance of winning. So realistically, you're beating a field of, let's say, 50. Whereas you go to a regular tour event, and if you got a full 152, 156-man field, yeah, maybe there's 20 guys that can't win. But gosh, Scott, it seems like every week any single person out there can win on tour. And I just kind of think that winning a, a full field event is, at least in terms of pro golfers, I think they acknowledge that that it is maybe kind of 1B compared to a major. Right. I, again, I, I think you have these fields of guys who are just really, really good golfers, and anyone can get hot at any moment, and anyone who you know was hot the week before could have – you know, like, like even the smallest, like, you know, physical issues could, you know, are amplified when you're trying to swing a golf club. And and because yeah, you can be a, a, you know, tiny, tiny, you know, bit off and that's going to affect the way you're hitting the golf ball. So I think it is really difficult to, you know, one, win and two, win consistently. So you're right. You know, the, the only caveat and me kind of playing devil's advocate to my own thought process is the fact that to obviously get into a major you need to have very high standing in the world you can't monday qualify in 
you know, you you can't get a battlefield promotion from the Corn Ferry Tour to a major. You know, there are ways that are much more strict to get into a major. So I guess the mindset is that not only are you beating the entire field in a major, but you're beating a much more quality field because of the fact that the, you know, process to earn your way in is so much more strict and there are so much more higher standards. Oh, I mean, that's also definitely true, but so eh, just it, it could go, stuff. it could go, it, it go, it could go both ways. I mean, like, like, let me ask you this. If you were a tour pro and you had made your way up from the corn Ferry tour and a genie popped out of a flag stick and said to you, Scott, you're going to have a 10 year career. That is it. Here are two options I'm going to give you. You can win 17 tour events in 10 years, or you can win four and one major. Which one are you going to pick? Oh, you had to take the major. See, I guess it depends on, on what you think of golf history. I mean, think of all the one-hit wonders in majors. You've got Michael, uh, uh, the guy who won at Pinehurst. Uh, what was Michael what? Uh the Kiwi. I can't think of his name. Uh, that, not Thompson, right? No, it's not Michael Thompson, I know. But Mike Mike won at Pinehurst. Fluke. Sean McKeel wins a PGA. Fluke. Um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of other flukes off the top of my head. I mean, obviously, there's there's a ton, you know. Um, I mean, at, at uh, the time... Trevor Immelman. Trevor Immelman winning, winning the Masters. Fluke. Um... But Michael, then Cam- Michael Campbell's Michael the person Campbell, you're thinking of, it. by the way. Yeah. I mean, those guys are all literally by, you know, most golfers considered, not not by pro golfers, but by people in the media and stuff, kind of considered flukes. And I think, like, if you tell me, wow, that guy won 17 times on tour, like, wow, that what an amazing golfer. Will it get you to the Hall of Fame? No, but neither will four tournaments and a major, you know, in this situation. And if you're going to win 17 tournaments over 10 years, that is going to put you pretty comfortable, uh, all things being considered, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, again, it, it, it's one of those, like, do you want the, like, the one moment or do you want consistency? Sure. Um, I, personally, I think being a, a major winner kind of gets you status, um, kind of just in general. So that's, that's my reasoning behind it, but I could certainly, you know, see the other, the other option. Well, let me ask you another question. Would you rather win one major or be as ugly as Danny Willett? Um, I'll take the major. Well, see, it's funny, Scott, because they're the same exact thing because they're the same exact person. It's true. Very true. All right, let's get off the PGA tour. We've got some, you know, some things that happen in the golf world. Uh, we had the match, and our nemesis, being Jets fans, although really being a Jets fan is kind of being your own nemesis, but Tom Brady, uh, the greatest quarterback of all time, was kind of looking like a fool when he played at the medalist club um, with Phil and Tiger and Manning, and he kind of looked like a guy that never really played golf before, lost what, three balls in the first three holes or so. And then one of my favorite golf moments of the year, Chuck starts getting in his ear. That's Charles Barkley, the round man of rebound for all you people. Charles Barkley starts getting in his ear, and then out of nowhere, the GOAT shows up 
and holes out from the middle of the fairway. And then my favorite line of the of the golf year was suck it, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and again, it's one of those like, you know, he he definitely talks smack because you hear that he talks smack. So to actually hear it happen is uh, it's pretty special. One of uh, one of my favorite DJ moments, aside from him winning tournaments dominantly, was when he played at Seminole. And remember, due to social distancing, because that was at, you know, that was like right during the the middle of of lockdown. I mean, this it was like the entire country was closed at this point in early April, late March, and DJ had to carry his own bag. We know that tour pros are not used to that, and hands down. Favorite DJ memory was him hitting a tee shot, bombing it down the middle, walking off probably a good 50 steps with everyone else laughing at him, him turning around and realizing he left his bag on the tee box. You know what? That's one of those, like, uh, I, I, I guess the, the old, like, first world problems. It's like one of those, like, you know, tour player during a pandemic problems where you had to go back and carry your own bag because you forgot it. Because I wonder how long it's been since DJ actually had to, like, carry his own golf bag. I mean, look, you know when he plays practice rounds, he doesn't. You know when he plays at home, he doesn't. He's taking a cart. You know, he probably doesn't even load the clubs onto the cart. It's probably like Paulina's job or something like oh, that. So well, my, my guess is that he's pretty much, like, if he's playing a practice round, he's playing with Austin, who's his, caddy, his brother and caddy anyway. Oh, sure, sure. But I meant like at home, like non-tour event things. Um, yeah, no, that's that's what I meant too. Yeah, okay. Oh, I got you. You, you think Austin just follows him around everywhere? I think it's it, like he'll call him up like on a random Tuesday like, hey, uh, let's, let's go play some golf. And, and Austin will play with him, but Austin still has to play caddy <laughs> also. So Austin's got to double bag it um, and play. Well, they they probably take a cart, but Austin still has to hand him his clubs. It's probably one of those things where Austin, as a little brother, gets super excited. Like, oh, man, my brother wants to play golf with me. And then Austin shows up, and DJ's like, here, man, carry these. And he's like, well, what about my clubs? He's like, well, you're not going to need them. We're here for me to play golf. <laughs> I, I mean, that's definitely better than what I was thinking. So let, let's just imagine that that happens. Okay, all right. We could uh, ask DJ, but he's, uh, he's not available today, I hope. No, MIA. Okay. Okay, good. Um, I, I feel like <laughs> yeah, he might be in it. Give him, give him, just give him a little, little bit, okay? Fair enough. You know, if you want to, if you want to, you know, maybe start thinking of some end of the year questions. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll see if I can get him on the horn. Um, you know, but but I, I might need to go for, for him to for him to show up. It's it's very rare that we can be in the same place at the same time. It's usually how it works. It upsets the balance of the universe. Um, we need, we need to do something, Scott, about the PGA championship trophy. Why in this day and age, are we still having professional golfers dropping the lid of this trophy? Uh, as I said, in our, our holiday episode, uh, one of the things that we definitely need to think about is sending a tube of glue to, uh, the, the PGA of America to get the Wanamaker taken care of. Uh, or I, I think I saw, uh, I was watching something on ESPN yesterday and they had like a five minute commercial for alien tape, mm. which is apparently like the super sticky tape that doesn't do damage to surfaces. Okay. So, I mean, maybe that's appropriate 
uh, that could take care of the problem without doing any damage. Well, I'm sure Bryson probably invented that tape, uh, but Morikawa has, you know, an issue with it. Um, Rory back at Kiwa had an issue with it. it. It's like, let's, let's just, let's attach a latch. And then if you would like to drink stuff out of it, well, you just open the latch and then pop the top. Like a, like a beer stein. Yeah. Kind of thing. It, yep. Perfect. I like it. I like it. All right. Problem solved. Um, Sophia Popov on the LPGA tour, I think had, in my opinion, one of the greatest stories of the year. She was kind of so frustrated with her game and it was kind of going so south that she started to caddy for her friends on the LPGA tour. And then to earn some extra cash, did it on the Symmetra tour, was playing Symmetra tour events. And then within one week, of the end of the summer, she goes off and wins the AIG Women's Open at Troon, uh, first place check of six hundred seventy-five grand, and literally goes. True story of caddy to major champion. Um, my opinion, probably up there for kind of heartfelt story of the year. Uh, you know what? I first of all, that good on her. I I think that's smart. I mean, yeah, she didn't give up on you know what what her dream was. She kept at it. She was still sort of around the game. Uh, I think that's smart. You know, I, and you know what? Hard work pays off and not giving up pays off. And, you know, I, I give her a lot of credit for that. I mean, I, I think, again, I think being around the game was, was smart, you know, finding something that you could do where you were still, you know, part of it um, and just kind of never giving it up. And, and that to me, you know, that speaks volumes uh, to the sort of spirit of athletes or, you know, or her athletic spirit, because I, I think that's a big part of it. The mental game is just so strong. You know, I mean, you got to think that game golf is a game that that breaks us down and we barely win. Like we barely have shiny moments. You know, you always hear that cliche of the shot that keeps you coming back. Well, that's that's pretty low when you hit you know, for some people, a hundred plus shots around mm-hmm. it's one, one good one. You think about tour players who continually get beat down, beat down, beat down. And it's so easy to give up. And the fact that, that she doesn't, like you said, she stays within the game and you never know when lightning is going to strike. And it, it struck this summer. Right. And that's, you know, and that's the other thing. It's like just changing your perspective too, from being, uh, you know, being a player and now being the caddy, like, what are you picking up on that you weren't picking up on watching other other people play the game? And how are you then translating that to your own? I mean, to me, that's, again, I, I think that's one of the smartest things she could have done. And I think it, it definitely obviously paid off, um, but it definitely contributed to it. So uh, great on her. Yeah, great point, great point. So she strikes lightning you know, lightning strikes her in a positive way uh lightning strikes danny lee during the u.s open if we remember danny lee turned a four footer into a quintuple bogey nine and decided mm-hmm. that his wrist was injured um another one of these cases where people piled on this dude instead of finishing strong and going into the interview tent and being like look i had a mental lapse um, you know, it got the puck got away from me. I tried jamming it in the back of the hole, then obviously I turned a four footer into a twelve footer. I missed that. It remembered kind of 
horseshoes out and I missed the comebacker because I was mad. I shouldn't have let my emotions get the best of me. I'm, I you know, apologize. I'll try to come back tomorrow and do better. Instead, a whole later, he decides with not having any ailments all day or all week or any inclination that he does that he withdraws from the U.S. Open with a wrist injury. Yeah, Look at I mean, safe face, I guess. Yeah, he did end up acknowledging that. You know what? I probably shouldn't have gone that far. Um, so there's that. But uh, you know what? Everyone's entitled to a, a bad day here and there. Oh, of course, and and for anyone to pile on a dude because he shoots eighty one or shoots seventy nine is just at is stupid. Uh, right, at wing for during the U.S. Open, right? And let's not forget, Scott, that nine months ago, DJ went out and shot an 81, okay, to miss a cut. And then he goes off and has the best year ever. Yep, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's, you know, oh, the smallest things can be off. And and for, you know, for professionals like that, you know, those small things add up to, to huge, you know, a huge difference between what you got going when things are going well and what – when things are bad and you know, it can go South real quick as you saw and that, there you go. That's what ends up happening. You know, you, you miss a putt, you miss another putt you should make. And then your, you know, your emotions get the better of you. And there you go. Um, You know, it's, it's one of those golf is that one sport where things can go downhill so quickly. Yep. Well, and again, it's, it's very definitive. Like you can hit a baseball poorly and still get a single out of it, no one knows you were swinging for the fences. Right. You know, right. no one knows, like, you had that one, like, ooh, I got this one in my sights, this one going over the fence, and you still hit a single. You know, yep. in golf, you know, everyone knows, like, that ball did not go in the hole. And there's no way around it. Right, so. and you've got to, you know, when you play a tournament, a lot of people that listen are just recreational golfers, and they've never played a tournament. You and I have had this experience. that You go... And every score, every shot counts, and you have to sit there and sign for your score. I mean, you are, you know, in a way, like completely opening yourself up to ridicule and kind of revealing your soul when you have to sit down uh, and sign for that score that you shot, or or you sit over a two foot putt, and it's the difference between par and bogey, and you miss that, and you say to yourself, "Well, you know what it." That would have been good because my buddies would have given it to me anyway. But in professional golf, in tournament golf, you can't do that. And it truly kind of exposes people's character. Yeah, that's true. There's there, And again, there's nowhere to hide because it's, it's not like, going back to baseball, it's not like you can say, like, you know, the, the Yankees lost or the Cardinals lost. Like, it, it's just Danny Lee or it's just it's whoever. That's right. Um, you know, and that's the, that's a big difference between team sports and individual sports. I mean, yeah, you, you and I both participated in individual sports in high school Yeah, when it's just you, it, it, you know, there's a little added pressure to it. Yeah. You are your own team and, and your own brand. And I think anyone that has participated in an individual sport, you know, will tell you that while it might be the hardest thing they've ever done, I don't think anybody would change it. And there and believe me, there's something to be said about the camaraderie of team sports, but it takes a special athlete and a special individual to be able to excel in a sport where it is it is just you yourself and that is all. And I want to give a big shout out to Tyler's uncle who 
introduced us to the line that golf does not build character, Scott. It only exposes it. This was after numerous attempts of him, you know, just picking up three-foot putts and dropping balls wherever he wanted and then telling us he shot a 78. Well, good for him. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're going to do that and then throw out a line about character, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie, I, I kind of like that guy. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we still laugh at it, and it is uh, just a great, great line. Um, all right, so the, the PGA Tour is kind of you know in a lull right now. It's gearing up for the Tournament of Champions. Some people have already said that they're going to go in. They've already committed. And, uh, I mean, we're going to start the year back in Hawaii and uh, hopefully put this 2020 behind us and, and hopefully everyone's safe. And, uh, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens, Scotto. It's a crazy world out there. You know what? It is a crazy world, but, you know, the – if golf can be a, a constant, then that's great. So. Hey, uh, I, I'm I'm getting a call real quick, Scott. Can you uh, can you kind of finish this up for me? Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. So so yeah, so you know, a couple of things I'm looking forward to in in twenty you know twenty one. Hopefully, we can have some more interactions with golfers. Hey, um, Scott. Like like DJ, for example. Hey, hey, hey man. DJ, how are you today? Did you what did you say? Interaction? Yes, sir. That's crazy. It's like two words are one word. Th- that's definitely true. Uh definitely true. Uh so so DJ, what are what are you looking forward to uh in 2021? Oh man, I don't know. I gotta open my eyes to see. Um well, my wife tells me I'm gonna go play some golf. Cause she's got some new handbags and some jewelry to buy. Um, That's true. You do make a lot of money doing that. Oh yeah, man. I don't even know how much money I even have. Money ain't a thing. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'm. I was thinking about maybe buying some Bitcoin. How could you go wrong? Uh, go ahead. No, I just. Oh. Scott, I don't know. <laughs> I understand. Uh, so do you have any New Year's resolutions for 2021? Because, you know, people like to start the new year off with with something to, you know, a goal to work towards or, or something they want to change. So anything you got thinking, thinking you might want to have a resolution for in 2021? You, you know what, Scott? Can I, can I be candid for a bit? Uh, I, I hope. Well... I sat down with my team and, uh, you know, team DJ, and and I was just thinking it'd be really nice to win my first Masters. And so that's what I want to do in 2021, Scott. I want to win my first Masters. Uh, y- you won last month. What? At, at the Masters. Yeah, it was delayed. And, and what did I win? We, we, you won a lot of money. You won a green jacket. Um, you get to, you know, be the master champion until April and then you get to, you know, help crown the new champion or it could be you and you could win two in a row. I just thought Tiger Woods was the master's champion. Is that, I thought that was his jacket in my closet. Uh, I mean, they gave you a trophy and they, they, he gave you a jacket. 
he asked me to come over one day and and to see if he could see Paulina in the jacket. Mm. I was like, sure, man. Yeah, that 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 sounds yeah that that sounds about right. Okay, uh, let let let's move off that topic uh, for for a little bit. So, DJ, uh, when when you play a, a practice round, you know, just a casual round, you take Austin with you. Does he get to play, or do you make him carry the clubs? I mean, in the immortal words of my idol, Alan Iverson, practice, Scott. I don't practice. I'm really good at at rolling these little. Um, I like to roll these little plants up, and then uh, what I, I do is I I, uh, I I roll it up and I say, Austin, do you have a lighter? I see, I see. All right, well, uh, well, well, DJ, you know, best of luck to you in the new year. Oh, and Scott, oh, listen, oh, man, go ahead. happy happy new year. I hope you have a great upcoming Christmas. Um, but the jet ski's calling. I gotta go. Bye. Uh, take care, DJ. Be well. Hey, all right. Thank you for uh, for kind yeah. of finishing up everything. Did you tie all the loose ends together, Scott? Yeah, you, you missed you missed DJ again, though. You know, I'm telling you what, man. We gotta. Him and I just need to coordinate better. I think it's almost like um, there was a movie, a real poor rom-com movie called serendipity where this guy and this girl were kind of you know they should have been together but they kept on missing these opportunities to kind of fall in love with each other and i feel like i'm always missing these opportunities to to get and just kind of sit down with dj and really kind of pick his mind Mm. on things yeah i think that would be an experience for you trying to trying to pick his mind yeah i mean i you know how much of a mind is there but you know, let's be mm. honest, there's a great golf IQ. That's that's true. That's true. And you know what? In the end, maybe that's all that really matters. Scott, do you have any you have any golfing resolutions this year? I'm not a big I you know, I don't I don't make resolutions, but but there are things that I think I'd like to do in golf this year. Do you have any? My my only thing for, for this year is to actually play more. Uh, like I said, I didn't really play much due to various circumstances. So I'd like to correct that, you know, in the upcoming year and play a lot more often. Get back to like a regular, like at least once a week kind of schedule. Right. A regular schedule that you can kind of set a clock to, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I would like to, uh, I did, you know, obviously this is, this is if everything goes back to normal, you know, let's just pretend that that's going to happen, but I would like to get a golf trip in with you. It's been a while. Um, and then in terms of my swing, I'm actually working to shorten my backswing just a little bit, just a a tad. I think I say that every year, uh, Mm. it never happens. I think I start the year off well, and then I just go right back. But, but that's kind of my goal. And, and honestly, this year, 2021, um, I'd really like to, my goal is to break 71, at some point this year, um, because last year, 2020, the year that is right now, I I really got into not worrying about score, just going out, having fun, and I had a blast. But with everything that had happened, I obviously, just like you, did not play as much as I would have hoped. So I never really had an opportunity to get like 
a good flow together for two, three, four weeks of good range time and kind of good rounds. You know, my, my rounds were always so staggered. Nine holes here, seven holes there. Don't play for two weeks. Go play 18. You know what I mean? I was never in a routine. Right. Right, right, right. So if I if I'm gonna throw a number goal out there, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw break seventy one. All right. I mean that's a that's a good good number to to want. I mean I'm I'm liking it. I don't care what length the course. I don't care what par. You know I don't care if it's a par sixty nine course or seventy. It's irrelevant. I'm all about the mm. number. All right. Cool. Well, I'll uh, still have fun. Exactly, and that in the end, that's all that matters. That's keep, it. Keep having that's fun. It. All right, my man. So let's put a bow on 2020. Let's drop this for the people, and uh, we'll see you next year. All right. So long, 2020. Either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Be well. The game of golf is more than a sport. It's a lifestyle. Blue skies, bright sun, the walk, good friends, and the shots that keep you coming back. That is golf. Iconic, vintage, classic. Eagles and Arrows didn't create the look, they've only perfected it. Eagles and Arrows provides the classic American golf look with a modern spin. Hats, gloves, club head covers, and my favorite, the vintage American carry bag, are some of the amazing items you can find at eaglesandarrows.com. Follow them on Instagram at eaglesandarrowsco, it's eaglesandarrowscompanyco on Instagram. Love golf, live life, Eagles and Arrows. Thank you.